back tomorrow taking all that I can stand Throw the weight of the world from the palm of your hand Gather round the fire, together we will rise Keep your feet on the ground, keep your eye on the prize Good morning and welcome to Lift Your Spirits Radio on 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle. I'm Bernadette Pager of Informed Choice Washington, a nonprofit organization advocating for scientific integrity in public health policies, healthy immunity, and informed consent. Like all of our shows, we're presenting here today uh, information for educational purposes only. We encourage you to consult with your trusted healthcare practitioner. And if you don't have a trusted healthcare practitioner who understands how to build health within yourself and in your environment, go find one. Because when you, you do get sick, you want, you want to be able to go to that person right away to guide you through any illness. Uh, I have two guests today. One is joining me in my home studio. Uh, part of Informed Choice Washington's mission is to educate legislators on why um, on on issues that they're facing, so that they can make wise decisions on behalf of their constituents. So I have today Representative Carolyn Eslick of the 39th District, because she uh, wants to know about healing protocols, treatment protocols for COVID-19, because she and the legislature are being faced with a lot of decisions uh, now regarding this. So, uh, Carolyn, welcome to the studio, and thank you. Thank you, Bernadette, for allowing me to sit in on this. Um, this is, I'm excited to be here, and this is such an important issue to everybody. We're looking forward to some, uh, some, some parts of this that are going to face us again in the fall, and we need to have a better handle on this whole subject. So I'm thrilled to learn as much as I can today with Dr. Anderson and with Bernadette, and thanks again, Bernadette, for allowing me to sit in on this. Oh, you're welcome. I just so appreciate your taking the time, the interest, and, and bringing it back to your fellow representatives. Uh, so Dr. Paul uh, Anderson is going to be talking about vitamin C today. Now, I know when you hear vitamin C, you might yawn, right? I mean, everybody knows about vitamin C, but... Really, I don't think you do know um, about vitamin C, what sort of what this amazing molecule can do. It, Dr. Anderson, can I call it a molecule? I haven't even introduced you yet. Right <laughs> <laughs> we'll open up just with the question. Yeah. Uh, yes, you can okay. call it that. Yeah. All right. Let me let me do my full intro though. All right. <laughs> um, see what happens when you wing it. You grab you grab words. Um, so Dr. Anderson is a naturopathic physician and medical director and founder of Anderson Medical Specialty Associates. He is a recognized authority in the field of integrative cancer research and in the treatment of chronic diseases, genomic conditions, and autoimmune and infectious disorders. So he, he's the go-to man here. His longtime work on the development and standardization of pharmacologically, I can't say that word, pharma, pharmacologically, significant yeah. micronutrient IV therapies. That's a mouthful. Um, <clears throat> it bridges naturopathic to conventional medicine, merging the benefits of both from diagnosis to treatment with an expert understanding of the underlying biochemical and genetic causes that contribute to illness. 
Dr. Anderson has collaborated with many notable physicians, researchers, professors in his career, and he continues to do so. And I have been following his work closely um, ever since this COVID outbreak. And I learned about him. I learned who he is uh, because he's been reading the work, the IVC work going on around the world and even translating um, very meticulously from the Chinese. So welcome, Dr. Anderson, to Lift Your Spirits Radio. Well, thank you so much. That's a wonderful intro. I'll, uh, I'll be happy to answer anything you want to know, okay. if I can. <laughs> so, so when I called it a molecule, is, is that? Yeah, yeah. So um, really, just because this is uh, talked about a lot, um, when vitamin C was discovered, like most nutrients, uh, it was discovered in its in its whole form. And in biochemistry, we isolate the active portion, or what we believe that to be. So uh, ascorbate or ascorbic acid is the active part, which is a, a molecule. And in nature, normally ascorbic acid doesn't run around on its own. It's usually got other, you know, helpers with it that are normally part of a plant. Mm -hmm. um, and so some people will say, well, real vitamin C is, is the whole, you know, group of helpers in the ascorbic acid, which, which is true if you're eating it. Uh, but in, in therapies, like what we're going to talk about, normally what we're using is a, a form of the molecule of ascorbic acid or sodium ascorbate, which is, it's important people know that's, and that's actually an FDA approved drug, uh, which is good because it, it allows us to still have access to it. Um which is a whole other discussion. <laughs> well, yeah, that, it's very exciting to know because, you know, that's one of the things that sort of the general public's been hearing about. Is it FDA approved or not? And in the world of nutrients and, and natural treatments, that has always sort of been a barrier at times. If you're in, if you're in the hospital and you want to do this particular nutrient, they'll, oh, it's not FDA approved for that purpose. And that that really causes a lot of friction. And, you know, we were chatting just a bit before we, we came on air about barriers to bringing micronutrients and especially vitamin C into um, sort of these allopathic Western treatments. Yeah, I, I think, <clears throat> you know, that's that's been a uh, back and forth for really decades, um, you know, going back even before Linus Pauling in the 70s. And one of the, I think there's a couple of things. One is you can have an FDA approved substance like vitamin C, say sterile vitamin C for infusion, uh, which is FDA approved. Um, but the protocol ha uh, may not be accepted. So you have an FDA approved substance, but the protocol, say for a virus or for some, you know, some other infectious disease, it's still sort of an outsider protocol. So people say, well, we don't, you know, yeah, it's FDA approved as a, you know, as a drug or a mm -hmm. substance in this case. Um, but the, the protocol hasn't been verified enough for us to be comfortable to use it. That's usually where the public doesn't understand the, that's the, the backside politics of medical okay. inclusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in my experience with loved ones in hospital situations, I have been very, very frustrated by how some of the practitioners have their, they're really handcuffed in, in many ways about what they can do. Um, 
they have to follow the standard of care, even if they look you in the eye and acknowledge, no, that standard of care isn't best, but it's what I have to do or I'll get in trouble. And I really like what you brought me here. And I think that this would do well, but I'm not allowed to do it. And that has been, you know, I I think there's just, I know that a lot of these things were put in place to protect patients, but it, it has inhibited the actual practice of medicine at the individual level, and it hasn't been allowing practitioners to bring in their own unique experience um, to each patient. And I think, you know, well, we could go on and on and on about the problems there, but <laughs> let, let's move on yeah. to this, this wonderful thing called vitamin C. So how did you come to become an expert on vitamin C? Well, um, it, it, uh, like like most great things, that was never a plan. I sat down one day and said, I'm going to do this. Um, uh, I've been in practice for uh, three decades now. And in the very early days of my practice, uh, I started to have very, very sick people come. And many of them were beyond what, uh, say, oral administration of nutrients or other things could do right off the bat when they were real critical. And so we started to do intravenous administration of nutrients, including vitamin C. And and, uh, so I became uh, a very uh, quick study and a student of, you know, all the people who came before doing that, which is not a lot of people, but people like Dr. Robert Cathcart and uh, Linus Pauling and and Cameron and all these guys. Um, and just because of timing more than anything, if you go back, you know, 25 plus years ago, there was just a handful of people really in the whole of North America doing intravenous nutrient therapy. Mm-hmm. And most of us knew each other. Uh, and uh, we still do, those of us that are still around. Yeah. And so we, we kind of learned as we went with very critically ill patients. Uh, and so what happened in the later, you know, about a decade ago, I think now or more time flies, I was full-time uh, faculty at Bastyr University, and we entered a National Institute of Health research project for humans with cancer. And uh, we were part of Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, uh, which included, you know, UW and Hutchinson and all that. And then uh, Bastyr, and there was a couple other partners, and we did a five-year study to see if integrating uh, medical care would increase the lifespan of patients mm-hmm. and uh, with advanced cancer. And my part was the IV therapy part because of my background in that area. And that um, that step at the time, I, we didn't realize you know fully what we were doing, but that step took my clinical experience and put it into a study in a trial uh, format. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, I was able to thankfully with the help of all of the patients and the system do some innovations around the infusion of vitamin C and making it be a little bit uh, more comfortable and a little biologically, maybe a little more available. Um, and so then that, that started on a, uh, a trail of me doing a lot of speaking to physicians and writing. And, um, that's kind of how I got to, you know, this, this place of quote unquote being called an expert. Um, there's a lot of other people nowadays who know, you know, plenty of things, but uh, I guess it's that, that clinical interface because we were doing human uh, Mm -hmm. research with it. So, yeah. 
Well, that's, I'm excited to hear how it is being integrated and, and expanded for its use. Could you explain what happens when you infuse vitamin C? What's, what does it do to the immune system? How does it help? What, what goes on? Yeah, it's, you know, vitamin C is a really, uh, there are very, very few things in medicine, whether they're nutrients or drugs that work like vitamin C does, because of the way that the body handles it. And so um, without getting super technical about it, the idea is we need vitamin C as humans. I think it's really important for people to understand that humans need vitamin C every day, but we don't, as a organism, make our own vitamin C. Most other mammals do. So if they get stressed or they get sick, they actually make more vitamin C. And humans just can't do that. So we have to get vitamin C from the outside. So on a regular day, if you're healthy, et cetera, you don't need a lot. It's, it's really quite a small amount you need to keep you going. But if your body is under a lot of stress or you're getting sick or you are sick, your, your need rises suddenly and it becomes very critical. Well, the other part of it is orally you uh, can take vitamin C or you can eat it in food. And on a day that you don't need a lot, you'll absorb what you need. And on a day that you need a, a great deal, you, you'll actually absorb more. But there's a limit to what your digestive system can absorb. And so one of the reasons that we put it in somebody uh, going around the digestive system, put it in intravenously, is we might want their bloodstream <coughs> excuse me, and their cells to have more than we could ever give them morally. So, and because of that, vitamin C is very unique in that at moderate doses, it can do a number of really good things that we can get into specifically for immunity and inflammation, et cetera. And at higher doses, it can do all those good things. And it can also help you potentially with fighting, say, virally infected cells or helping around uh, immune response around cancer, et cetera. So it, it really has this, this spectrum that's unlike many, many, uh, there's very few drugs that work this way and, and many other nutrients don't work this way either. So it's, it's an incredible, uh, you know, you could call it utilitarian because it does many things, but I think the big sticking point is people don't make it themselves. So mm -hmm. imagine if you're in the hospital and you're sick and your need is higher and you're not getting enough, you're, you're actually degrading the ability of your body to control inflammation and, and do particular uh, immune functions. Uh, so it's, it's that important. Yeah. You you make me, you know, just as being a, a lay person, a, a customer of the medical system, as it were, <laughs> yeah. I, my thought right at this moment is if I, if I have to go to the hospital and they're not routinely giving me vitamin C, that's malpractice. I mean, mm -hmm. because my body, if I am ill, injured, any reason that I have to go to the to the hospital, my body's using up every bit of vitamin C I had on store. And if I'm not taking it back in, I'm not making more, I'm became, becoming more and more depleted by the day. It, you would think that it would be on everybody's hospital charts. But unfortunately, you know what is on everybody's hospital charts that needs to go? Tylenol. So... <laughs> 
So I've been studying, you know, looking at viral infections and vitamin C and of course, glutathione, yeah. the body's master antioxidant. And I want to talk to you to talk about its role with vitamin C. Um, when you get a viral infection or anything, here comes glutathione, this master antioxidant, bringing nutrients, taking away garbage. I call it like the body's handyman. <laughs> Your body does make it, but it begins really easily, severely depleted. And then people take Tylenol, which really depletes them even further. And um, it's like vi they need to take Tylenol off the chart and give everybody vitamin C. That's okay. I've got a mission now. So, <laughs> so let's see. I'm, I'm almost 57. So I've, I've got like a couple of decades here to make it so. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll see what we can do. So uh, explain to me then um, what happens. Let's talk about glutathione and vitamin C. Can it yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's one of the most, uh, it, it's really an exciting, interesting area. And of course, a lot of people don't know about this because it's biochemistry. But the you mentioned glutathione. Glutathione we actually do make in our body, but there's limits to how, how well it's used when you're sick. Mm -hmm. And glutathione is paired with vitamin C. Uh, all antioxidants have uh, at least one friend that they work with to keep them uh, cycling and, and, and workable, usable. Uh, vitamin C and glutathione back each other up. So the problem that people get into, especially they get really sick at home or in a hospital or something, glutathione can be made by your body, but if there's not enough vitamin C, it gets used up and it's uh, in sort of a non-usable form. And so as vitamin C levels drop, which we don't make, your glutathione activity drops further and further. And then you're, you become a kind of a massive inflammation, which we've all now understood, like with COVID, is the, you, the last thing you need is to be a massive inflammation. Um, and your healing ability goes down and your likelihood of all the side effects from inflammation go up. So vitamin C, even though, you know, it sounds, as you said in the beginning, people think, oh, yeah, vitamin C, great. Uh, <laughs> without vitamin C, you know, sufficiently mm -hmm. in the system, uh, you lose a lot of important things. Glutathione is a huge one. Uh, and, and it's been talked about a lot with respect to COVID also, which yeah. I think is very important. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is important people know that those two go together, you know, glutathione and vitamin C. And the reason vitamin C becomes so critical is glutathione loses its ability to work the, the lower your vitamin C levels get. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. So in order for your body to make glutathione, it's three amino acids. And it's yeah. my understanding that the one that you tend to become depleted in um, is the um, cysteine portion right? And so that can be supplemented and hospitals actually have FDA approved, right? A form of an N-acetylcysteine, NAC. Yes. Yeah. And that, um, so yeah, of the three um, amino acids that make uh, glutathione, you can raise glutathione levels with any of them, but cysteine is the, it's called the rate limiting one. And people, we use cysteine for other things in the body, a lot of other things. Uh, so when we're giving people nutrients to support glutathione. Uh, N-acetylcysteine is well absorbed. It's easy and good orally. And as you said, one of the crossover points, which usually gets the attention of hospital-based docs, is 
they understand the drug uh, mucamist, which is N-acetylcysteine in a liquid form. And what's been interesting with COVID is I would say, well, what do we use mucamist for? Well, when the ventilator plugs up, we, we use that and it helps the mucus secretions, you know, become uh, more fluid. Well, what's one of our problems with people when they get into respiratory distress? Well, the mucus secretions are inappropriate. Well, what are we, you know, why is that happening? Well, cysteine, N-acetylcysteine on its own, helps to normalize secretions, but also it helps to increase glutathione. And if, you know, if you, if you have the doctor's attention to that point, you say, well, why do you give mucamist or N-acetylcysteine when someone overdoses on Tylenol? And they'll say, well, because you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> say, well, well, the reason is it, it, it backfills the glutathione that the Tylenol overdose sucked out of the person. Obviously, if, you're t- if your glutathione drops too much, you're, you're not going to be around. Mm-hmm. And that actually helps, you know, with the discussion, because at least it's a drug they're used to seeing in a hospital. And although they may not use it a lot, they're, they're used to seeing it yeah. there. So, so in our, and again, there's, I'm, I'm only talking here. I'm not, I'm nobody's doctor on this radio program, but right. in, in our patients or people that we're looking at, you know, vitamin C and N-acetylcysteine together are relatively inexpensive. They absorb well at the appropriate doses. And during cold and flu season, we generally have people take those because they're going to use more. And so you get the double benefit of uh, helping your vitamin C and your cysteine levels, but also helping your glutathione levels, which is very, it's super critical. Super critical, super simple. Yeah. People can buy these supplements and keep themselves, you know, guarded at home during cold and flu season. Again, me also not giving medical advice, but right. it's something I do sitting yeah. right there on my shelf. Um, you know, a couple years ago, there was a report of a teenage girl who, who died of the flu, um, which is very tragic. The coroner had given a uh, talk to the press and he said something about Tylenol. He said she did not overdose. So I looked this guy up and I called and he actually answered the phone. I was really surprised, really nice coroner down in Georgia. And I asked him what he meant by that, that she did not overdose. And he said she just took a normal dose of Tylenol, but the infection, the flu, had compromised her liver, which infections can sometimes do make your liver not work up to snuff. And so that dose of Tylenol continued to circulate. She was probably severely depleted in glutathione and um, it became very toxic to her. So I said, but the, the death certificate says flu death. He says, yes. And I said, but if she had not taken Tylenol, do you think she would have survived the flu? He said, yes. If she hadn't taken the Tylenol, she would have survived the flu. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's these basic things that I, I hope through this radio show, the general public can hear about, you know, the fact that we need glutathione, we need vitamin C, we use it and it has to be replaced. And we really don't want to deplete it um, ourselves or, or say no to the hospital when you come in because it's on everybody's chart as a standing order for pain or fever or anything. Um, so let's see. I've got another list of questions. Sorry, I'm squirreling a little bit this morning. I'm just loving this conversation. Uh, so what are you seeing? Um, let's, if you can kind of introduce the idea and we'll talk a minute or two before we go to the break, what, what's going on around the world? What are you seeing with IV vitamin C around the world with COVID? 
Yes, um, it's good we limit to COVID. Uh, in in other countries, it is uh, much more accepted to use uh, what we consider in North America to be integrative or alternative. In other countries, if it works, it's all part of medicine. There's no dividing line. So mm -hmm. I have colleagues in you know Germany and many Asian countries and other places where they're that's just not they don't have these issues that we have. Uh, so in other countries, uh, these these moderate continuous intravenous doses of vitamin C are just part of the regular hospital procedure for somebody with COVID. Uh, and it's certainly not every other country, but but many other countries. And so what's happening is and that just kind of blows the mind of the sort of North American physician, because we're just uncomfortable with that idea and they, they, they don't know what to do with it. But in China specifically, and you alluded to the Chinese documents that I got some, I, I did not translate. I, well, I, I translated them using machine and AI. I, I do not speak Mandarin very well. Uh, but when I translated it, the really interesting and I think cool thing about it was they were, and it's a very long document, and it's many, like 50 to 100 doctors that went together on the expert panel. They're using it right along with all of the other standard either intensive care or hospital uh, protocols and procedures for sick people, it's not getting in the way of any drug or any other treatment. And in the group that they did do it with in the first round, nobody died, which was amazing. And they were in the hospital a shorter amount of time. And so part of my pitch as I've been asked by, you know, departments of health and hospitals and things to explain to them why, why would this work or whatever is you don't have to worry about the rest of your treatment protocol, but if you have any treatment that keeps someone in a hospital bed one or two or three or four days less, that's not only cost saving, but they're more likely to live through the hospital stay. Um, so it's it's pretty amazing what, what we're seeing, you know, in real time coming out of China and in other countries. And now in this country, actually, we're starting just ad hoc in little groups of hospitals to use it. And it's, um, I think people are, uh, it, it, people, doctors are very, very trained to think vitamin C, it's, it's bunk, there's no science, nothing works, don't use it. Uh, it's too simple. And now that they're sort of being forced to, they look and they say, oh, maybe there is something to this. Yeah. And, you know, that'd be a good topic for the second half of the program, probably. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> yeah, let's pick that up because, you know, in my own little home state here of Washington, I want everybody to have access to the healing powers of IVC if they get if they get the COVID, as they say. Yeah. And yeah. And with that, we're going to we're going to take a short break. Um, you're listening to Lift Your Spirits Radio on 11. 50 a.m. KKNW. Fire, together we will rise. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep your eye on the prize. Oh, don't turn away. No, don't go back. We all know that vitamin C is an essential nutrient our immune system needs. But did you know there's scientific evidence that vitamin C can be used safely and effectively to boost your body's immune system to fight infections. To learn how you can live life to the fullest, find the vitamin C expert, Dr. Paul Anderson, on Instagram and Facebook by searching DRA online. 
or visit at consultdranderson.com today. Did you know that 70 to 80% of your immune system resides in your gut lining? Ion Gut Health goes beyond probiotics to strengthen this barrier and balance your microbiome the natural way. This soil-derived supplement is scientifically proven to reinforce your first line of defense, keeping harmful foreign particles out of your bloodstream. Maintain a healthy immune system so that it can protect you when you need it most. Support your immune system with Ion Gut Health. Learn more at ionbiome.com. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 AM KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries, you can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Need information about your child's vaccinations? Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization of parents, family members, medical professionals, educators, and Washingtonians from all walks of life. They believe in personal freedoms and individual choices, including healthcare choices. Their mission is to advocate for vaccine policy reform based on scientific integrity and individual health needs, to promote education about healthy immunity, and to protect informed consent and medical freedom in Washington state. To stay informed, visit informedchoicewa.org. Informed Choice Washington envisions the future where every doctor is fully trained in identifying vaccine risk factors and recognizing vaccine injury. Every child is afforded a personalized approach to disease prevention, and every parent has the freedom to make the best health care decisions for themselves and their families. They know every child matters. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Lift Your Spirits Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm Bernadette Pager of Informed Choice Washington, your host today. And with me is Representative Eslick being educated to make wise decisions um, on the behalf of her constituents. And Dr. Anderson talking about vitamin C. And and we're moving into um, what he has learned from China, which is very exciting. One thing I do want to ask, I want to put it out there, because you see all over the media that that they don't trust what's coming out of China. And so can you address that? And why do you trust what you're seeing and what you're translating from China? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> and that that's uh, that's one of the you know many million dollar questions because you you see these reports. Uh, there's two levels of information. Well, there's probably many levels, but there's yeah. two <laughs> global levels of information. One are what we'd maybe call official state reports of you know say statistics of this that or the other thing, and those uh, you know politically speaking sometimes any country you know you you can't always trust their press right uh because they'll say things that you know may 
may be blown up one way or the other. So official state publications about what's going on, sometimes it's like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Um, what I originally, when I was asked to update physicians around the world on IV vitamin C and uh, COVID virus and other viruses about a couple months ago now, it seems like five years ago at this point, um, what I did was I didn't go to state sources in China. I went to uh, a hospital group, which of course the hospitals are run by the state, but they have a uh, expert panel. It's called the Shanghai Expert Panel. And it's well over 50 physicians, it's probably 100, who all collaborated. And with an evolving epidemic and then pandemic, you, you, know, you don't have the luxury of saying, well, we did a bunch of randomized controlled trials and we're looking backwards. You're, you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And so what they published was, to date, being the first country to have the largest number of you know, COVID patients, this is what we saw amongst, uh, I believe it was three hospitals and hundreds of patients, and here's what we learned. And as opposed to a state publication where they're summarizing it and saying, you know, we did this or we didn't do that, this is actually the physicians on the ground doing the work, getting together, saying, here's our hospital protocols and procedures. These are the ones we, we kept in. These are the ones we removed because for COVID patients that didn't work. So, yeah, you have to be careful about the source of the info. This being from the physicians themselves, I, you know, you, you take some things with a grain of salt, but I, you, I believe that they're reporting what they actually did and what they saw. So I, I think that is an important thing. That, that's fantastic. And, you know, around the world, doctors just want to heal their patients. They want to help their patients live. And, you know, politics um, can can get in the way and, you know, I think it is really important not to judge the information based on what country it came from, but the individual perhaps who it came from. And so I admire you going directly to the doctors and looking at what they have done. So, so then explain, you, you mentioned two things um, on the break. We were talking about not only treating critical patients with IVC. I don't want to talk about that, but let's start first with, you said that they were giving oral doses of vitamin C to keep people out of the hospital. That is huge. So can you explain that? Yeah. And so one of the uh, themes, which seems completely logical, you know, and now we're experiencing it in the U.S. is we only have so many resources for people in the hospital. We know you're more likely to die if you go to the hospital because your disease level is higher. So their thought was, well, anything we can do to keep you out of the hospital would be a benefit. And it's always that way. Like, if you don't have to go to the hospital, don't, you know. Uh, and and I, I have nothing against hospitals. I, I, I work in one, uh, you know, parts of the year. I, I, I really love the system for what it does. But if you don't have to go, don't go. And so what they came up with was there were two things. Now, keep in mind, this is China. Mm-hmm. There were two things that they recommended that people do to stay out of the hospital. One was traditional Chinese medicine. And they literally you know, say this up front. And the other was vitamin C. Um, and largely, they, they believe, based on the way that the hospital numbers went and how many people had it and all that, um, that by doing these things that are supportive to the system so it doesn't get run down so far, 
that did help people who were even COVID positive, you know, with their uh, statistics on not needing to go in. The other side of it, though, is when you leave the hospital and you survive your COVID experience, you're not done. You, you, you have to repair and recover. And they did the same thing. They had people take oral vitamin C and do traditional Chinese medicine on the other side. Um, in in other you, countries, you could do other things, but yeah. <laughs> did you hear about the, like the uh, scientists created like this computer um, intelligent program they fed it the spike protein of COVID and then they had it scour the known uh, world of, of molecules and substances to see what might help address this, you know, um, SARS-CoV-2. And it spit out a whole bunch of things. Dominating this list were um, parts of traditional Chinese medicine, Indian medicine, other sort of native medicines, and vitamin C was on the list yeah i thought i was so excited to see that you know you know all the the evidence coming in of why these traditional approaches uh really work so um obviously we don't have any science yet you know those randomized controlled studies saying that you know it is preventive but the way you explain the way we do not make vitamin c and when we get sick we use more vitamin c to me Again, not telling, telling, not telling your patient, take it before, during, and after is like saying, don't drink water before, during, or after. We don't make <laughs> our own water either, right? But we yeah. sure use it up. Um, and yeah. so it just seems like it should go hand in hand with, um, with anything, just the basics. We're giving you air, water, and vitamin C. Okay, and now what else do you need? Yeah. yeah. And I do think that's an important thing because the, um, as I mentioned at, at the outset, I, you know, I have physician friends in most parts of the world now and the most important thing, and this is, you know, we call it anecdotal because no one's collected all this data yet. And somewhere in the process, the traditional, um, what we call constitutional or whole body healing, uh, methods used in your region or your country universally are helpful both on the preventive and the recovery side in COVID patients based on what physicians say. So, you know, my doctor friends in Korea, they have something called traditional Korean medicine. Uh, There's Ayurvedic medicine, which is practiced in other parts of the world. And there are many other things in, you know, North America, we have uh, naturopathic medicine, which is a constitutional way of looking at medicine. Um, Any of those that look at your whole body and, help you to rebalance things and, you know, fill in the gaps appear to be extremely helpful on the preventive and the recovery side. So I think, um, you know, of course you need a practitioner that does that, but um, I think it's critical that people understand that it's not, you know, you you look at something like a traditional medicine, unless you avail yourself of it, you think, well, how powerful can that be? Well, if it keeps you out of the hospital, that's pretty powerful. Um, Yeah, it's important. Yeah, <laughs> I, I keep descri- thinking of it this way, like in the winter, we sort of had some some fragile, susceptible people. We had a lot of seniors with underlying health issues, and it was sort of like they were on the Titanic and they hit an iceberg. Right now, the iceberg did not really cause the huge fatalities because the history shows us that there were a lot of mistakes made. There weren't enough lifeboats on that ship. 
they really screwed up there. Like, and the, the bulkheads didn't extend far enough. There were like all sorts of errors, human errors that went into why more people didn't survive hitting that iceberg, right? And so here we are in the spring of 2020, and we still have a lot of people on Titanic too. All of our people in nursing homes, elderly with underlying conditions, we see that iceberg potentially in the distance, in the fall when people's vitamin D levels are low again, and they become once more susceptible to flu and COVID and such things. And it's like, I, I want right now to put lifeboats on that ship. I, you know, I wanna extend the bulkheads. I wanna make sure everybody on that ship who hits the iceberg known as COVID survives, that they, they can do it, or that maybe even steer the ship away from it, right, in advance. I feel like we are empowered to do that from the science. You're explaining the vitamin C. We know that the, there's a clear association between vitamin D depletion and severity of disease. There's been several published papers already for COVID showing this. Um, so what are your, uh, this is steering a little bit, um, a little different direction here, but what would you recommend nutrient wise? Again, you're not giving specific advice. People should seek their own medical counsel, but what sort of nutrients do you think people should have on board in order to not hit that iceberg in the fall? Yeah, I think, and you make a good point, you know, there, um, there's a lot of published research around vitamin D levels and uh, immunity infections, et cetera. And, and there are many other things too. Um, and I, I think that the analogy is, is very true. Like you, you can have a pandemic level virus or, or any other big problem. The more prepared your body is, it doesn't mean you're not going to get it, but the, 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 the real punchline is what does it do to you while you have it? Do, will you survive or not? And so that's sort of the lifeboat idea. So vitamin D is critical. Um, most people, you know, you, mo I wouldn't, I don't know, probably most physicians now have read enough, you know, about vitamin D that they're like, okay, we'll, we'll at least buy into this. Uh, and they'll test their patients and keep their levels up if, if you ask them, they won't do it automatically. Um, so vitamin D is critical. Vitamin C, because of this fact that we don't make our own, you, you need to take every day. Mm -hmm. And when you're sick, you need more. When you're not sick, you need less. And you want to get your base from food, but su supplements can give you extra. We talked about N-acetylcysteine. There, there's many other things that N-acetylcysteine uh, will help with in the world of infection, inflammation, you know, such as backing up glutathione formation, et cetera. So it's, it's really a non-negotiable, you know, um, and then there's a number of other things that are uh, synergists. So we hear a lot, or at least we were in the beginning, about this idea of drugs that are zinc ionophores, which means they, they push zinc into the cell and stop replication of the virus. Well, sadly, zinc ionophore drugs have gotten politicized as opposed to having actual science being talked about. Right. The idea behind that, though, is it, uh, but whether the drug is important or not, zinc levels are okay, okay. Um, you know zinc is 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 a water soluble we don't make that in our body either all the trace minerals you know we have to get from our food and so if your zinc levels are low for example you often are a better target for a lot of infectious things and that's that's because zinc is involved with white cell function and all kind of other stuff 
So before we get real excited about giving drugs that are zinc onophores, which may be a good strategy, we need to make sure people have enough zinc. So what we have been, you know, with my family, for example, I'll talk about my family because then it's not medical advice. Um, we're all taking, you know, vitamin C and NAC, et cetera. And, and we take a, a multi-mineral that has a decent amount of zinc, but also, you know, selenium and chromium and a lot of the other trace elements are involved in keeping glutathione cycling and happy and, and other immune functions. So you want, you know, you don't just want to take zinc, you want to take you know, a whole family of minerals. Um, and so it's real basic things to start with. Yeah. Then you can go to other stuff that's more specific for, you know, if you're elderly and you have certain deficiencies, you can take what you need there. If you're younger and you, you know, you can take what you need there. There's, there's a lot of customizing after that. I, uh, I attended a webinar this week that was put on by the NFID about vitamin A and measles. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because they have really upped the dosage. Um, I'm not going to say it because I don't have it memorized, but it was quite a high uh, dose, two days. And they were talking pediatric about, you know, and it really lessened disease severity and, in, you know, improved outcomes tremendously. So it, it was really good to hear them talk about vitamin A and they're going to be getting the word out about this. Um, and one of the things that was interesting, they said, even if you're not, if you don't enter measles as being vitamin A deficient, they said children who were vitamin A adequate also benefited from these mega doses of vitamin A if they got the measles because their body used up their vitamin A to fight the measles. Yeah. Yeah. So adequate levels of vitamin D or adequate levels of vitamin C or other nutrients you might have on board are excellent. And then if you do become infected, though, you like you said, you may need to up the dose and because your body's going to be really using these things, Um, you know, and so if you up your dose, you lessen severity, potentially that's Mm -hmm. what nutrients are there on board to do. That's why they're being used because they're working for you. Ironically, they did not know, they discussed COVID and other things, and they said, we don't know if there's any science at all that vitamin A helps with any other viral infection, which sort of appalled me. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Go talk to the naturopaths. They can, they'll give you the science. They'll, they'll give you the histories, the case studies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with, with and yeah, so people just for background, vitamin D, we talked about some being so important as fat soluble. So is vitamin A and vitamin K and vitamin E and vitamin A actually they you know, I, when they say stuff like, well, we don't know about other viruses or whatever, usually they're trying not to get into that discussion. So they do know actually, but they're just avoiding you. Um, vitamin well, they, A has a they ton were talking of research. amongst themselves. I yeah, was they, just a listener. They, so it was, then, yeah. then they, yeah, then, then they either just didn't want to get into it or they, uh, we're yeah. ignoring things. No, vitamin A has a lot of research around viruses and other things. And, yeah. uh, and it is, it is part of what we as a family, we take vitamin D and A and, uh, and E and K a, a bit. Now, one thing I will say, because people will hear this back and it's, here's the thing, this, this doesn't mean anything other than the doctor who is saying it is not critically thinking about what they're saying. It, it doesn't mean anything else. 
people from the CDC and other people immediately like went on CNN and said, fat soluble vitamins are dangerous. You can overdose on them. Nobody should be taking these things, you know, vitamin D, A, E, K without, you know, very close medical supervision, et cetera. So no, this is a bad recommendation. And I saw one, you know, uh, medical expert who's probably never given anyone vitamin A say, you know, this is the worst, this is bunk, there's no science and all this. So you've got that. Yeah. None of that is true, but it gets politicized. Um, here's the bottom line. Like with uh, glutathione and vitamin C, although those are water-soluble, as you were saying, vitamin A gets used up in uh, a lot of operations in the body when you're sick. And it's been known for a long time, just you know, from clinical perspective, that vitamin A is good when you're sick. And then you stop mm -hmm. taking it because fat-soluble, you can build up too much. You don't want to take too mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And this is a great time to... You know, you know, include a healthcare provider who's trained in these things, mm -hmm. like using vitamins. <laughs> this is a great time to do that. Yeah. Um, but the important part is, see, vitamin A is not, A and D are not really vitamins. They're more like hormones. Mm. And vitamin A, one of the many things it does is it works in the, the cell, the nucleus of uh, epithelial cells, which are like your skin, but also the lining of your lungs. And you, you cycle it much faster. It keeps the cell uh, cycle working correctly. So when you get sick with things that go into the respiratory system, you burn it up really, really quickly. And then there's other immune functions of vitamin A. So <clears throat> kind of like the vitamin C story, if I'm sick, I'm burning up more. Mm -hmm. I need more when I'm sick. And this is why like the short bolus doses with children or we do this in adults with other things. Um, they generally are very supportive to getting better faster because you, you give the body something that it is temporarily very low in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just important that, you know, it, it sounds like, oh, you know, people, it's almost like nowadays people are like, oh, vitamins, how much can they do? Well, your body runs on them. So if they, if you run yeah. out, you're kind of in <laughs> trouble, you know, uh, and you do, you do want to be careful if you're going to take fat solubles at high dose a long time, have somebody help you. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's it's really insane to say you know that oh that's a bad idea it's just yeah you might need to monitor it yeah so. the, the hypocrisy <laughs> to me it's so hypocritical and I, you know one i know there's excellent caring devoted people working in public health so i don't want to derange all of public health oh, i have yeah. friends in public yeah. health however as an entity i am so frustrated and angry at the hypocrisy of pushing things like vaccines have they read a vaccine insert they will say don't take vitamin a because it's fat soluble and, and you know and you could overdose and be critically ill but have but they won't say <laughs> okay here are the dangers of taking this product or you know if it's a yeah. pharmaceutical and yeah. you know really everything comes with even natural um, approaches, but, you know, human beings have intelligence and, you know, and sometimes not, you know, people have done some really yeah. stupid things, with COVID <laughs> chaos. And yes. those are the ones that make the news. I've been really frustrated that the, the brilliant naturopaths, um, osteopaths, chiropractors, and even many of the MDs who are 
embracing, you know, they're learning, they're seeing what's healing patients, they're giving it to them, but they're not getting, making the news. You're not hearing headline news. All of the news stations should be talking about vitamin C, glutathione, nutrient supports, oxygen supports, um, yeah. And HBOT, you know, next um, next Friday, I'm really excited because I'm going to have Dr. Ted Fogarty on again and another uh, uh, local doctor. There's stuff being put in the works because everything that you and I are talking about here today, the vitamin C and the glutathione, you add HBOT to the mix and HBOT recycles vitamin C. It, it yeah. makes your body a glutathione factory. It reduces inflammation. I have to tell you real, real quick, Dr. Anderson, that there's this one website that, that gives you the information to date of what's happening in a hospital. Um, I don't know what state it's in. It's wherever the Tyson plant is where people were getting sick. I believe oh, yeah, yeah. that place down there. Yep. This doctor tells the story of a 70-year-old, very critically ill COVID patient who was on all sorts of drips. And the niece is there at the hospital and said she really wants to try HBOT because, and they're doing a, cl- a clinical trial down there. I, I might be mixing up my stories, but I hope not um, as far as whether or not this is particular clinical trial. But yeah. um, so they decided to take a chance. They unhooked his drips and they had to wheel this, this patient through all sorts of places and across a parking lot or something to get him to where the HBOT <laughs> machine was, had to get all sorts of clearances to do that. They get him in there. He hasn't spoken or eaten in days and after a while he's in there he begins to pink up and perk up and he comes awake and the first thing he says is how come not wearing any pajamas and he's hot but he doesn't want to take off the sheet and blanket because he's naked (laughs) and then he then he complains that he's hungry and he wants to eat and this doctor is she said I'm so glad he couldn't see me just grinning ear ear to ear because I wasn't laughing at him I was just so thrilled that this critically ill dying patient was now complaining that he was hungry and um you know and he, he just continued to improve and so I'm looking forward to um to, to going and seeing what happened next. And out of China, again, people are interpreting there, it's been about uh, you know, like five dives in HBOT to really help. And I feel like what you're doing with the IBC and what um, the HBOT people are doing, my goal, my mission is to spread the word here, to get ev- everybody knowing about this and understanding how it's just working with the immune system. It's replacing what your immune system needs and it's helping it do what it needs to do. Uh, final words from you, Dr. Anderson. Well, first uh, tell Dr. Fogarty, hi, we're friends. Um, okay. and, and we actually, in, in our clinical work, we use HBOT and IVC together. Um, and, and there's just a million reasons why, but Ted's great at talking about that. Um, I think the most important thing is to be, you know, be informed, be aware, know that the narrative you hear, especially from news outlets, is very, uh, we'll just call it selective, and it's not always um, actually accurate. They can have a great expert who knows a lot about another topic, but if they start talking about these things we discussed today and they're not an expert there, they really shouldn't be opining, and they are. So just just be careful with what you hear. And, um, you know, there's more and more coming out with people like you educating folks where we can get the word out. And, 
things will change. It's just slow here in America. So yeah. we'll yeah. do our best. <laughs> well, I'm getting out my bullhorn, Dr. Anderson. And, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna save the people on the on the next Titanic. We're not yes. gonna let that yeah. iceberg sink right. anybody. <laughs> so and with that, I'm gonna have to uh, sign off here. Thank you so much, Dr. Anderson, and thank you, Representative Eslick, for joining yes. in on this great hour of conversation. Please join me next week. It's it's all HBOT. Wait till you hear. It's going to be <laughs> exciting. Go out there and make it a healthy day.